Thanksgiving usually delivers when it comes to tasty food and family time. But when you're a Michigan State sports fan or reporter, it usually means a ton of games these days. 2022 was no different as the Spartans were in action for four straight days over the holiday weekend. We will recap Michigan State football's regular season finale against Penn State and the basketball team's 2-1 and weekend at the Phil Knight Invitational. We'll also give you the latest fallout from last month's tunnel incidents on episode 94 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Reigning champion Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Matt, welcome back to the Mitten. Uh, how was State College? Um... The usual, uh, <laughs> uh, big stadium in the middle of nowhere. So, uh, it, it was, it was fine. Um, not, it was, the weather was great, you know, for late November, can't complain. It was in the fifties and sunny on Saturday. So, um, no issues there. Kyle, you were busy over the, over the weekend. Uh, how was your holiday? Uh, can't complain. Uh, watched, watched my first soccer game in like probably a really long time. And I have to assume most of them are more exciting than the one I watched. You're more of a soccer watcher than me, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I like soccer. I'm into the English premier league and the world cup always gets me going. Really any international competition. uh, I kind of like, you know, you get the countries going against each other. You see the colors going at each other, big game for the United States today against Iran uh, trying to convince. So, and Matt, you said you were listening to soccer on the way back from Penn state on the radio. I, on the, I don't know on the how way, soccer on the radio works. on the way to Penn state. Cause I chose to drive for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, try to kill time on that, on that, uh, long drive. Uh, I managed to listen to us versus England. Um, no goals scored <laughs> obviously. So real, real thrilling. All right. Well, uh, it was a thrilling weekend if you're a Michigan state fan, because, <laughs> Uh, four games in total, three from the basketball team, one from the football team. We'll get into all that here today. Appreciate everyone for listening. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, it'd be very much appreciated. All of our work from the weekend's games and uh, coverage is at MLive.com slash Spartans. You guys know where to find us on Twitter if you've got comments, questions, or concerns. But Matt, let's jump into the football here real quick. The season likely over. I mean, we can probably touch on that, but obviously last week we were off for the holiday and didn't get to touch on Michigan State's just brutal collapse against Indiana at Spartan stadium on senior day. I was there taking it all in on in person. It was uh, not pleasant vibes in the stadium, Um, but that's old news at this point, Michigan state goes to Penn state and I would say battles, but ends up losing 35, 16 to a team that was clearly better than them. Um, Matt, what were your takeaways from sort of the Penn state game? And, and obviously uh, the season as a whole, not something that Michigan state was looking for after starting the season out in the top 15. Yeah, I mean, obviously a big, massively disappointing season. Um, you know, a lot of things that, that went on, um, but, you know, you lose four straight, you win, then you bounce back to win three or four despite being shorthanded. And all you had to do was take care of business against Indiana. And, and they they obviously blew that. And then you go on the road to Penn State as a big underdog and, you know, fall down, what, it was 21 to three in the second half. And they, they, they cut it within five there in the fourth quarter. So again, this team, this team never quit, um, but just, you know, not 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 a great performance again, but Penn State's the better team, and and um, you know that'll probably do it for the season. Uh, yeah, I guess just just because we're touching on there, there are forty one bowl games. You need eighty two teams to fill those. There are seventy nine teams that are bowl eligible as of right now. Um, Buffalo plays Friday against Akron, which is ter- Akron's terrible. So that would get if Buffalo wins that game, that that's eighty spots, and then. New Mexico State has filed a waiver for to to get a bowl bid because they're five and six. They had a game canceled, so there's a potential that could be another spot. That could be 81, and then it comes down to APR scores. and, and Michigan State would be third in the pecking order uh, behind Rice, 
Auburn and um, oh crap, UNLV. So or there'd be fourth. So Rice, Auburn, UNLV are ahead of them. So it's I'd say it looks doubtful for them to have a bowl game, but you never know. Those teams still have to accept the bids and yada yada. And even and asked a, Mel was asked after the, uh, the loss to Penn State, and he said he. He wasn't even definitive that they would accept a bull bid if they were extended one. So I don't know. The season's probably over at five and seven, but we'll see. We'll find out on Sunday. Um, but yeah, overall, just obviously coming off an 11 win year. Um, and this is a team that thought they'd be even better. They thought they were deeper and um, just just uh, not a great season, obviously. Well, what was that? I saw Jerry Palm put out that UNLV fired its coach and that they might decline a bid now. So that might actually put something out about Michigan State opening the door for them well okay so yeah UNLV fired its coach which which makes you wonder would you take a bull bid and I just see Brett McMurphy national reporter for Action Network just said according to a source um said UNLV will accept bull bid if offered so all right well that ship has sailed then well probably (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so you know then again you know when you're five and seven you know, if I ever run for president, my platform will be there's too many bowls, <laughs> fewer bowls. You've got my vote. <laughs> Absolutely. We shouldn't be rewarding teams for five and seven seasons. That's just not. I mean, I know a lot of coaches look at bowls as a reward, right? I mean, you get to well, six so, games and then you get to go, you know, that's, so you know, the practice too. No, I know. That's why the fans yeah. saying, oh, do you, they'd be shameful to accept a bit. No, this is a young team with a lot of young guys that are going to have to step into roles. You take those practices if you can get them. But right now it looks unlikely, I would say. In terms of the Penn State game, I was proud of the way the team fought, at least. I mean, you're down all those guys who are suspended. You're down even more guys due to injury, especially up front. You got Michael Fletcher banged up in the game. You got uh, Keon Coleman getting banged up in the game. Uh, I mean, guys are getting hurt all over the place. And Michigan State, you know, to their credit and to Mel's credit, this team never really did quit, but they just... I don't know what it is. They didn't ex- they don't execute. The coaching staff seems to have brain farts all the time. Um, and it, really, this is like worst case scenario for a season. I mean, everything seemed to go against them. You know, it was a tougher schedule. Injuries right from the jump uh, with Darius Snow going down. Um, you know, it like anything that could have gone bad seemed to go bad this season for Michigan State. And to start out in the top 15 and not even make a bowl is, is pretty brutal. Um, but again, things could flip in the other direction next year as well so you know if you're Michigan State fans I think you need to keep the faith they're up in arms right now I mean do you I hate to ask you because fans are like up and they want everyone gone you know typical fans but like do you see Michigan State making any significant changes in the offseason I mean Mel's getting paid a lot of money to win games yeah absolutely um as far as yeah he's getting paid to win games as far uh, you know as making changes that you know I, would I be surprised? No. I mean, there were changes last year after, you know, winning 11 games. So it wouldn't be a shock. Um, but, you know, he's he's obviously defended his staff. You know, he, he just flat out said, you know, I told told the players, told the assistants, I'm never going to throw anybody under the bus out here publicly. So what he's thinking behind closed doors, I don't know. We'll see. But I would not be shocked if there were changes to the staff. And what's going to be, you know, what's obviously coming is, there's going to be a real interesting roster turnover. We've got, there are a lot of players with decisions to make on eligibility. We know, you know, the guys who are out of eligibility, you know, your Xavier Henderson's and your, your Bryce Behringer's um, and guys like that. Um, you know, Jaden Reed is, is, you know, he'd already accepted a senior bowl invitation. So he's done, but you know, a lot of other guys got, you know, the extra year. So who knows what's going to happen. And then you've got the portal that's opening. Um, and we just saw news Jack Stone, true freshman kicker, 
made the 51 yarder at Penn State. He announced last night he's in the portal. So, uh, just, I mean, their kicking game was terrible this year, and now you're losing the only scholarship kicker on the rock. I, I don't know. Let's go. There are going to be a lot of guys that have to make decisions. So, um, We'll see. That's gonna that's gonna come out really starting any now. Like with Stone announcing he was going in last night, um, through uh, I would expect a lot more of that coming in the next week. Yeah, not a bad way to show off your talents if you're Jack Stone heading into the portal. Yeah. I mean, he missed he missed some 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 short ones early in the year, and it seemed like they kind of gave up on him and brought that uh, the the kid in from Auburn and Ben Patton. I don't know, man. The, yeah, Ben Patton. I mean, this is a kid who had a lot of potential coming out of high school, highly ranked by the kicking websites and. I don't know. I think they might've bailed on him a little too soon. It's, it's yeah. kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah, I mean, this and, is the, yeah, this is the second scholarship kicker that, that they've lost. And Mel, the last two scholarship kickers they've taken, the other one was a, uh, well, that was a Mark guy, but uh, Jack Olson who left, he transferred. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> those, those guys feel like it takes some time to develop these guys, you know, you know, you, you don't, Sometimes, you know, asking a true freshman to go out there and, and, and be your guy all season is a little can be difficult, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's not like the veteran was much better. They lost the game because of him being out there missing 20 yarders. So uh, and then the other big offseason question before we sort of move on to the tunnel and, and basketball here is, is going to be around the quarterback, Matt. I mean, Peyton Thorne was the unquestioned starting quarterback all offseason out coming off an 11 win season when he set a Michigan State record for passing yards. And, you know, this year. I would say, you know, what were we talking about all preseason? Okay, without Kenneth Walker, what needs to happen? Peyton Thorne needs to take a step. This needs to be his team now, him and these receivers. He regressed, at least in numbers and in in the eye test and play on the field. That didn't happen. Uh, The line didn't improve, so I don't blame it all on him. But, you know, the quarterback gets the glory. The quarterback gets the blame. There's some talented youngsters on this team. Uh, There's those Dante Moore rumors out there. I mean, what do you – is this an open competition at least going into next season? Uh, yeah. I mean, Jay Johnson, uh, their offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach was uh, asked about that last week. And he basically, you know, said, look, it's a competition for everything, which is the case. So, you know, they're going to play the best guys. So what that looks like in practice, we don't know because we don't get to see that. Um, you know, we saw Noah Kim um, a couple times, you know, what, three times or whatever it was. I remember right this earlier this season we saw Hauser very briefly um so yeah I mean it's like every other just about everything else on the roster it's fluid who knows we'll, we'll see I mean Thorne has obviously been the guy um he thinks he played better he's a better player this year than he was a year ago um Mel and Jay you know have stood by him and saying that you know he's gotten better um so you know, he's got the faith of the coaching staff. Um, we'll see if that continues through, you know, the offseason into the spring and, and what that competition looks like um, with the, the other guys in the room. I would say right now, though, I would put if you had to make me pick who their starter will be week one next year, it'll be, I would say, Peyton Thorne. There's no reason to not think that at the moment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so regardless, not the season Michigan State football was looking for. It's likely over at five and seven. You lose all three of the trophies you earned last year. You lose your big non-conference game. And now all of a sudden coming into next year, you're probably right back where you were two years ago where nobody believes in you. No one thinks you're going to do anything. And, hey, maybe that's an opportunity for Michigan State next year to sort of regrow. You know, maybe you get better health. You get more home games. You got Washington at home early on, chance to make a statement. So, uh, you know, 
these things can change quickly for a program like Michigan State. We've seen it throughout the years. Anything else on football before we get to the tunnel stuff, just on season as a whole, anything like that? No, I think everybody knew. I mean, we we, we saw what happened. This was a long season and, um, you know, lots of disappointment. I think we we've can, talked about it knows. plenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we've talked about it plenty. Talking about more disappointment for Michigan State, uh, the Big Ten finally uh, making its opinion known on the events in Ann Arbor uh, la- uh, around Halloween. And obviously not a good look for Michigan State, but I believe the players, all of them except for Kari Crump, have been reinstated. But just kind of run us through the Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten's – we were waiting for them. We were waiting for something from them, right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, don't, I everybody gave the – you know, had a hard time with, you know, the Big Ten taking so long. But I don't have a problem with them waiting for law enforcement to do its job first, you know you know, wait your turn, you know, Michigan State had suspended everybody. So there was no real pressing need to do anything. I mean, their guys weren't playing, they weren't practicing, they weren't with the team. So that part was taken care of. And and then um, obviously last Wednesday, um, predictably the day before uh, Thanksgiving, uh, the Washington County Prosecutor's Office announced charges against seven of the eight suspended guys. Malcolm Jones, um, true freshman defensive back, was the only suspended player who was not charged. He was then reinstated last week. Um, so yeah, Curry Crump's facing felonious assault. The other six are facing misdemeanor assault charges. Um, that those cases officially went in, online in the court docket um, as of yesterday. Um, those are now working their way through. I saw Curry Crump was arraigned this morning, which is, is news that wasn't even listed yesterday. But so that stuff's all going to play out. Um, and the Big Ten, so they, yeah, the Big Ten finds Michigan State $100,000, which is the biggest fine in conference history. Um, as far as the discipline for the players, it, it said that, you know, basically everything Michigan State had done with with six of, uh, with the other guys minus Crump was sufficient, you know, that they're, the four games that they were out um, was fine. And they can, you know, they what Michigan State did was good enough and those guys are fine. And then they were, those, they were reinstated by Michigan State yesterday. Crump remains suspended indefinitely. Um, and then the Big Ten tacked him with uh, suspension for the first eight games of next season. Uh, Michigan was publicly reprimanded uh, for uh, the failure in game management, um, which we well, Kyle will get in on that a little more in a bit. Whatever but, that means. Uh, yeah. So publicly yeah. One, one of my favorite features of college. Oh, yeah. Public, public reprimand. Bad boys. I'm going to start using it in my parenting. You know, yeah. my kids and said, I'm giving you a public reprimand. So yeah, like, it's. It's quite funny, but um, anywho, uh, and then, you know, uh, well, so that was in the afternoon, what, about 2.30 that came out. It was probably, what, 7.30? I don't know, something like that. It was last night, uh, Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel released a statement, basically, you know, you thank the prosecutor's office and the Big Ten for everything. We agree with their findings. And he went out of his way to point out that the reprimand was for the fan touching Mel Tucker's head and, and that was the reason for the reprimand. But I mean, there were clearly, there were other issues. I mean, the, the tunnel is, you know, I, we don't need to dig into that too much, but everybody gets what the, you know, there was a problem with the tunnel. There had been, and you know, that's, there's a reason Michigan state or Michigan increased, or, you know, changed the protocols for the tunnel. So either way, I'm just, I am just, I'm looking forward to putting this all behind and, and moving on and, you know, been writing plenty about this, but so long story short, fine for Michigan State, reprimand for Michigan. Kari Crump remains suspended indefinitely and suspended the next eight games next year. Um, and then the other guys are, are back. 
and everyone at Michigan State accepted these penalties with open arms. Nobody no, yeah. questioned anything. Nobody said anything to the contrary or questioned this process at all. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so we went to, um, we were over there at the basketball facility yesterday afternoon, pretty soon after this was released. Um, and, and Tom took a break from their Notre Dame prep. They weren't really doing a full practice at that point, but took a break from Notre Dame prep to come talk to us. So he, uh, um, it was pretty fresh for him and, and he got asked about it and, um, gave some pretty harsh, um, harsh words. He, he spoke for about six minutes on it. So I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing, but, um, to summarize, um, he said he, he's completely upset about it. Um, I guess, first of all, he's not upset about the player suspensions and he doesn't, he's not condoning what the players did, um, or excusing what the players did. He pointed kind of more at an institutional level, I'd say. And, and the main beef is basically the disparity in punishment between the $100,000 fine for Michigan State and the public reprimand uh, for Michigan, which he um, made pretty clear he thought that that was too too great of a disparity um, between the two because he felt like there was um, wrong, not wrongdoing, but there was fault at Michigan um, that was not acknowledged in this. Um, namely that um, you know, there had been incidents in that tunnel before, nothing like this before, but there had been times when two teams were not getting along there. So there was reason to believe that um, there was the potential there for something to happen. Um, and, you know, Michigan, as Matt and I have talked about on this pod before, um, really, there were, the, the security situation down there was not uh, what you'd expect it to be given that. Um, so um, I, I think his point is that this could have been prevented or this could have been lessened um, but by a little bit more proactive approach from Michigan. And he thought that their, their lack of doing that um, should have um, sh- should have been part of this, this discipline that was announced. And, and then, you know, this whole thing is kind of a sore subject uh, because you can go back to the Devin Bush situation, which, um, you know, he's on the field, you know, Michigan state walks across it, you know, incident, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the aftermath of that was that Michigan state was fined and Michigan wasn't. Um, and so that, it kind of felt like, here we go again, I think for Tom, and I think probably for a lot of people at Michigan state and, um, you know, I think a lot of people are, trust me, I've got a lot of mentions on this. So, um, <laughs> a lot, a lot of it is times a basketball coach, um, you know, what he's got nothing to do with this. Well, he, He's the basketball coach slash de facto spokesperson for Michigan State because yeah. <laughs> um, he's been there for, you know, three, four decades, whatever it is now. Um, obviously, he's opinionated. But, you know, you've got a school president who's been there for about five minutes, um, at least in that role for about five minutes, and uh, a, an athletic director who's one year into that role. So, I mean, he's far and away um, has the most experience, you know, institutional knowledge, all that here. So I, I think that kind of explains why the basketball coach is weighing in because whether you agree with this or not, I think he's kind of basketball coach slash, um, spokesperson. Um, so hey, um, I don't know. We, we, I guess we can talk about whether there's validity to what he thinks, but I know a lot of Michigan state fans were, were glad to hear him say that. And I've heard from a lot of Michigan fans who think he should stay in his lane, but that's the most we got as far as a, a public response from Michigan state, I think. I think Pete, some Michigan State fans were, you know, Michigan State has taken a beating over this, rightfully so. Their players messed up big time. It's on video. They look, it looks terrible. And they were rightfully suspended. You know, I think some people perceive that Michigan gets unfair treatment from the Big Ten, whether or not that's true. Who knows? You know, they are a flagship brand and a university and 
for the conference. And yeah, you know, it's the perceived blue wall. I don't need to tell you guys about it. You know what it is, what it is. I mean, it's people think that Michigan state gets unfairly treated in the media, whether or not that's true. I don't know. They bring a lot on themselves. I know your guys' mentions have probably been flooded lately, but you know, I was glad at least to see someone step up and, and say something like, Hey, let's look at the other side here too, because it was, well, it takes two to tango here. Things weren't really set up. I found it ironic that the Fox promo for the Ohio state Michigan game had uh, like the sort of tunnel barking from last year's game uh, sort of in the promo of, you know, the hatred between the two sides. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, look, this was going on last year. And if people weren't in between these two teams, who the heck knows what could happen, you know? And it's, I don't know. We've known this is a thing for a while. So I think Michigan should look at its protocols. Michigan state deserves the, everything that they're getting here too. So, you know, Tom's going to stick up for Michigan state. That's just what he does. Um, he's always going to do that. That's his life. So I was surprised to see how uh, opinionated and how long he went for it. What, were you one of the people that he was imploring to write something, Kyle? Like I couldn't see everyone. I mean, I know he was pointing at all you guys out there. Yes. So. Yes. I, I was, I was just to his left. So I think I was the second person that got that, that <laughs> inspiration, which uh, I mean, listen, I like, I, like I don't write columns, you know um, I, I think that that's what he's asking for here is some, some full throated defensive Michigan state, which is just not what me or Matt um, do. Um, we leave that to the, we don't have a columnist really. to, to, to the opinion folks out there. But I mean, I, I can say on here, like, I, listen, could the big 10 have acknowledged that maybe Michigan should have been a little bit more proactive in creating a more secure environment in that tunnel? Sure. I think that's a fair, a fair criticism thing to say, but I still think 90 something, whatever percent of the blame goes on Michigan, you know, and he brought up the two players skipping in there. Michigan early. State, you mean? Michigan State. I'm sorry. Yes. Michigan State. Um, and he brought like, I like, I don't buy the two players going in there earlier, really at fault at all. Um, we don't know what they did, I should say, but if they're just heading up to the locker room, maybe talking a little bit. Chirping. Um, I'm sure they, they were chirping. They don't deserve what happened to them. Um, no. Immediately after that. So um, I, I think there's a little bit, but I don't think, um, you know, obviously they don't deserve a hundred thousand dollar fine. Like this is not an equal situation. Should have, the big 10, I, I agree. Maybe should have acknowledged Michigan, some shortcomings by Michigan, but um, that that's a pretty minor thing for me. And, and overall Michigan state mostly got what it deserved in Michigan, maybe deserved a little bit more, but it, it's not like it's way off, you know, in, in my opinion. I think all three of us want to put this in the rear view though. Right. I mean, this is this whole situation just stinks, you know, for everyone involved really. So I think, I it think would it's be nice. better for everybody to put it in the rear view and hopefully like we talked about, come back next year fresh with maybe, Maybe the temperature turned down a little bit more on all this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And we did a whole episode on on all the fallout from the tunnel stuff a couple episodes ago. So if you want more of sort of our immediate reaction to that and the whole situation and what may have led up to it, we got into it pretty in depth uh, a couple weeks ago. So you can go and check that out in the feed. Let's get back to the on the on the court stuff here, Kyle. Michigan State went out to Portland. Uh, played in the PK in, or the Phil Knight Invitational. Uh, three quality games, I would say. You know, they they go up against Alabama without Malik Hall and Jade Nakins. Don't have them all weekend. I think we knew going into that game that it was going to be a tough one for Michigan State to win with the athletic people that Alabama has, particularly Brandon Miller, who likely would have been guarded by Malik Hall pretty much, you know, the whole game. Alabama stretches out in the second half, wins 81-70. I think Michigan State really missed his athleticism of him and Jade Nakins in that game. They come back the following night, beat Oregon 74-70 in a game that ended well after 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. It was like 3.30 by the time I went to sleep, Kyle. I don't know about you. And then uh, on Sunday, they take down Portland. 
uh, by one, barely. Uh, we can get into some of more of the specifics around these games. But overall, I would say to come out of there two and one without two of your best players is a successful weekend for Michigan State. Yeah, I, given the circumstances, I don't think they could have asked for anything more. Um, the, I mean, the Alabama, which is such a it, it's going to be tough no matter what um, your first game, um, losing those two guys um, and just adjusting to that. But having to adjust to that, like you said, with a bad matchup and Brandon Miller, who impressed the heck out of me, like he like he's going to be a really good player in the NBA um, and going forward. So trying to guard him without those guys. Um, Joey Howard was out of sorts. Um, Pierre Brooks was playing his first really big game ever as far as role. Um, and um, I, I think he struggled, especially on the defensive end. So it, it was not a good game to ease in and adjust to. Um, so they lose by 11 there, but I thought they responded well. Um, I thought Joey Hauser really stepped up. You know, he, he turned an ankle in that game too. And he came back mm-hmm. um, the next two days and Played really hard, really well, rebounded well, hit shots, uh, was just looked like a veteran, smart, efficient player. Um, Pierre Brooks, I know they still want to see a little bit more defense out of him, but I thought offense, offensively, he settled in. I mean, he took 11 threes against Oregon, so not exactly efficient, but I thought he improved every game, I should say, um, as it went on and, and scored well 15 points a game in the last two. And then uh, Tyson Walker was really good, too, um, playing just about every minute um, of three games in four days out there um, didn't look worse for the wear um, scoring when he had to uh, playing good defense, just overall all around. Um, I thought AJ Hogarth left some stuff to be desired, but had flashes too. Um, and Marty had a good game on Sunday. So some hits or misses, but um, I, I thought their key guys, their core guys stepped up when they had to got him out of a tough tournament um, with a good record. And like we've kind of been saying really since that Kentucky game, i a little bit ahead at this point, I think of where we thought they'd be heading into Notre Dame. Yeah. Super impressed with Tyson Walker against Oregon. I mean, he's quickly, people are calling him the closer. Now he had a little bit of that last year, you know, in games like Purdue and, uh, what was it Illinois or something? He's had a he's he's made big, Illinois big shots Illinois when he scored like twenty in the second half or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They still couldn't win though. Yeah, that yeah. was that was crazy. Um, but yeah, we've seen him like down the stretch. He's the guy that seems to be the one taking those shots, whether he's coming off screens. The guy is just like the mid-range pull-up. This guy is a maestro, man, <laughs> on those shots. It's incredible his ability to make those shots. Joey Hauser playing with a lot of confidence. He was good against Oregon. And yeah, you mentioned Pierre Brooks. I mean, he was a guy, he was, a lot of people were talking about Pierre Brooks coming into the tournament because we knew he was a guy who was going to have to play more minutes with Aikens and Hall out. Pretty rough goal of it against Alabama. I agree he needs to rebound better, but this guy from beyond the arc, I mean, it's not like he's got like wide open looks. I mean, he, no. but he is pulling up with confidence and draining these shots. And it is, if there's one positive out of the weekend with, with Hall and Aikens going down, it's that maybe, maybe uh, Pierre Brooks's offensive game and sort of confidence, it seems to be growing at a faster rate. And if he's going to be another reliable, you know, scorer potentially off the bench for them uh, eventually, I mean, that's, that's big. I don't think he's ready to be like a 30, 35 minute a game guy right now, which is, which is what he has to be. But when he can go back to being come off the bench for 15, 20 minutes a game, spot up in that corner and hit threes, and, and you've got other guys around there taking more attention, like I, I think that could be a killer role for him on this team. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't think – I'm sure he had the confidence, but he, he didn't really have the proof before this weekend that he could go out there 
and make shots in succession against good teams and good defenses. So I think he gets confidence out of this. Um, and I think he'll have a bigger role, but I think, I think he'll have a really good role for him this year, um, which is, you know, kind of that bench, you know, what Gabe Brown was for a while for Michigan state, you know, coming off the bench, Mm -hmm. um, letting it fire, you know, and have bringing energy. And once they get back to full strength, um, which we should say, I mean, Jay Nakin's not going to sounds like he's doubtful, uh, is the official word for Wednesday. And then. Malik Hall, they said three weeks, but um, I, I mean, I, I think you're looking at if you can get him back for the, the January, like full Big Ten play, I think that's probably what you're aiming for for him. Because three weeks is like in the middle of their dead period in December. So I think you I think you can you can take your time with him um, and just try to get him full goal for Big Ten play. You said Gabe Brown. I was thinking of like underclassman Matt McQuaid. Guy who could yeah, do for, for Brooks, guy who just comes in and you know brings some energy, knocks down a three, stuff like that. Those are huge for your team to have a guy like that that can put the ball in the basket off the bench. Uh, what is it with AJ Hogard, man? I mean, I thought he played terrible against Oregon. The first half against Portland was an abomination uh, from AJ Hogard, and really the team in general against Portland. I mean, Portland is a, a well-coached team. They they their guys play hard. They run their sets really well. It seemed like. It seemed like Portland's screen action was giving Michigan State a lot of trouble in that game on Sunday, you know, coming off screens and getting around them. And Portland was getting open shots. The defense was pretty poor. I think Michigan's down to like Michigan State's like 48th in defensive efficiency right now, which I think is lower than Tom Izzo would like it to be. Um, but Hogard, man, in the first half against Portland was out absolutely terrible. And then the second half, the guy comes out with his hair on fire. He ends up with what, like 12 points, nine assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, his body language at times is brutal, Kyle. Like it's terrible. You're you watch it on TV. He doesn't look like he's engaged, but then other times he'd be out there and he looks like a killer. So what, what does Michigan State have to do to get good AJ Hogard all the time? Because this guy can be an absolute difference maker. I mean, like there's no in between for him, right? Like it seems like he's either making like a fantastic play or like a total boneheaded one. And like, he's, I don't know, he's got to find some sort of equilibrium there of like just put, given being steady for them and getting like giving them what they need. Um, you mentioned like the, the second half, I thought he played great for most of the second half, made a ton of good passes. Um, but then he has the turnover at the end uh, when they almost blow it. Um mm-hmm came out and I mean, he got like a four minute seat on the bench cause he, he has the first turnover and then does, does the thing where he puts his head down and runs into three defenders in transition and gets the charge, which has kind of been uh, his bugaboo this year. So, I mean, I mean, I, I just think it's kind of a between the ears thing for him. I mean, he's shown that he can, he can clearly be a very high level player, but uh, whether it's him being engaged or, or just his decision-making um I mean, he's fiery, you know, and that's one of the things they like about him. But it, it's like, yeah, I think he's got to find a way to be more even keeled. I mean, he should look at Tyson Walker, really, because Tyson Walker is about the most even keeled player I think um, I've ever been around. Like, it's just it's just always kind of the same with him. Total level headed. You, you talk to him. There's kind of no, no emotion about anything. Um, uh, so I, I think he's got to find a way to, to still have the passion. Cause I think that's a good thing. But to to not let it lead to such a roller coaster because like Sunday, which is such a roller coaster um, for him. And they just, you can't afford that. You, you can't afford that from anybody, but from your point guard, it, it's tough. And yeah, the bot, the body language, you know, I, I mean, listen, I don't hear guys complain about it. Maybe, you know, then they're not going to complain about it to us, but you know, the, the way he's kind of getting on other teammates, you want a guy to get on somebody, but you got to be taking care of your own too. Um, so mm-hmm. 
Um, there's some stuff to clean up there, but um, I mean, I think the good news is he's shown the potential. He just he's got to figure out how to harness it a little bit more often and get the bat out. And to be fair, I do see Hogarth getting excited for, you know, like Trey Holloman when he makes a good play and stuff. So I, I don't see him like moping on the bench, but just sometimes on the court, he doesn't seem like he has that sort of leadership that we want to see from a, a junior point. No, and so. I think that, that's taking responsibility, I think, for your school, which I mean, maybe mm-hmm. he's saying stuff that we're not hearing. Um, I guess I don't see that as much in the body language. Um, and then just, you know, being a smart player, like I feel like he takes a lot of risk defensively, you know, reaching in and, and helping off guys and um you know just he's got all the he's got the physical ability he's just making smart plays all the time which i, mm-hmm. I mean i think he'll get better at michigan state got away with a is it true that they got an extra free throw yeah that's that the portland ad tweeted about this apparently um apparently the former ncw director of officials said there should have been two free throws um on that seven point play so mighty sissoko gets fouled they gave him the end one, and then they gave him two technical free throws. Um, so apparently he shouldn't have gotten all three of those. He should have only gotten two of those. And to his credit, Monty Sissoko made all three. Um, and they go on and win by one, which to be clear, because I had a guy yelling at me about this, like just because you get one extra free throw and you win by one, like you don't you don't just subtract it from the score. Like yeah, obviously the there's game a lot of other out, the game yeah. would have played out totally different. But the, the point being, like, if they'd have won by twenty five, we wouldn't be talking about the one extra free throw they got. But um, yeah. it's it's and, notable. They got a little yeah. break there. And speaking of, you know, the standard seven point possession, uh, but speaking of closing out (laughs) games against both Oregon and Portland, Michigan State just they did against Villanova, too. Like, did did Tom address the out of bounds at the end of the game dealing with press? Because Joey doesn't look very comfortable inbounding the balls. It seems to work better when the two guards work in tandem doing it. And I I don't know. Is Tom taking blame for this? I mean, because this is going to cost them a game sooner rather than later. No, he, it was the first thing he brought up yesterday when we talked to him. It's like, we can't keep doing this. We're going to get bit. He knows it. The players know it. Um, so they're working on it. Um, I, I mean, Joey Howard, I think overall, he's been pretty good in that role. I mean, he he, he ducked one against uh, Villanova where he should have taken a timeout. Um, well, he had AJ two Hol- bonehead plays against Portland, though. The one when he's like dribbling around and then throws it away. And then. Yeah. but And then the one where they had, they like, they saved three timeouts and he gets trapped. And it's like. Is your veteran yeah. returning point guard? Like you kind of got to know to take the time out there. So I feel like I'm being too hard on AJ Hogarth. He he didn't play terribly. He just you know we expect a lot from him. He's but there's a lot, there's a lot of these sorts team. of plays that you know um, he, that he knows by now. Uh, but yeah, I mean they, they've gotten away with it so far. Um, they're not going to keep getting away with it if they keep if they keep throwing away these leads late in the games, and they know that. So Michigan State is 315th in adjusted tempo. This is I I saw this and I'm like it kind of blew me away. I mean, Michigan State is a known as a team who plays fast. They aren't doing it this year. And I guess they're turning the ball over less. Do you think this is a concerted effort from Tom to be like, all right, maybe let's not push it as much because they've been turning the ball over so much. Or is this just a, you know, the fact of who they've been playing tough teams, et cetera. I mean, I, cause Michigan State is a program that's known to play fast and 315th is way down there. <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm glad to see you digging into your Ken Palm. Uh, Absolutely. So good to see Absolutely. you. Um, I, I think it's more just being shorthanded. Um, if you're going to be playing a bunch of guys 30 minutes a night, um, you just can't run them ragged, um, running up and down every time. So I, you just notice them walking it up more than, than, than you used to. And I think when they get back to full strength, they'll do that. But, um, I don't think it's worth going full bore up and down the court every single time just to be gassed at the end and, um, maybe even playing, playing worse there at the end of the game. So I, I think that's just kind of the trade-off that they're making right now. 
Yeah, and it makes sense because turnovers have been an issue for this team as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe going 100 miles an hour all the time. Uh, last thing I want to touch on before we get out of here, the Big Ten ACC Challenge appears to be dead. We knew this was going to be the case or potentially the case when Michigan, when uh, the Big Ten lost uh, ESPN as a rights holder for broadcasting games. Thought maybe there was a chance ESPN and Fox would work together to make this happen. That probably seemed like a pipe dream, if we're being honest. Um, so now they're going to ESPN is going to have the ACC SEC Challenge, but as far as, you know, from Michigan State standpoint, how would this affect them going forward? Um, I mean, it, it's going to open up – it would – as it stands right now, it would open up one more game of flexibility for them. Um, like, I'm sure if, if they didn't have this event, they would not be playing a team like Notre Dame on Wednesday after all that. You know, they'd be playing um, some some low major buy game that they would win easily. Um, so it would give you a little bit more flexibility, but – you know, I have to wonder if they're going to to come up with something to take its place. And it's going to be, um, you know, it, you look at how, I mean, it's, it's TV that runs all this, right? So um, the most obvious thing to me would be just a Big Ten, Big 12 series because Big 12 um, has a box contract now. Um, so, and, and, mm. and, and the... Um, and the 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 ESPN now is doing um, what do we talk about SEC? Um, so basically, SEC. basically the the um, the TV network the two contracts are just making challenge series between the two the two con the two conferences they have contracts with. So that would make sense. Maybe they do something else. Um, but I, I mean, it's a shame because I, I think the ACC there was a lot of interest um, in those. Not that there aren't good teams in the Big Twelve too or whoever they play, but. Playing, playing Duke, Carolina uh, pretty regularly um, is good. And, and the other thing I really like about that is it was at, it was at campus venues. They're, like there's too many big college basketball games that are at these neutral sites, um, not great environments, not great for fans that have to travel. Like no one wants to go to Portland um, the whole time over. Portland's a great city, but it, no one wants to spend the whole Thanksgiving weekend in Portland uh, to, to go watch this five days, you know? Um, so it, I hope whatever they replace it with is on campus sites um, Hmm. and hopefully it will be. And if it was a challenge series with the big 12, um, then I think it would be. I can't wait for that Michigan state BYU big 10, big 12 challenge game, Kyle. Uh, uh... I'd take a trip to Austin, man. That'd be a good city. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it would be cool to do it with the big 12. I like that. Uh, How about the big 10 swack? Legacy. Uh, No, we don't want to mess with the swack. We saw what happened to the swack. Although I, you know, I, I don't know if they renewed the Gavit games yet, but like that's another Fox thing. So I think that could keep going um, and maybe expand that because the whole conference isn't doing that every year. So maybe try to add a couple more games to that. Who knows? I like that because there's there's teams that Michigan in the Big East that Michigan State hasn't really matched up with all that often. I mean, we just saw Villanova. We saw Seton Hall a couple years ago. We got Butler last year. Get get Marquette in there. You know, there's, there's teams you can get. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll get something in there because Michigan State is always going to want marquee games. So uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. A lot to cover there. Uh, a lot of action going on for Michigan State, but we'll stay on top of the Michigan State football news. Uh, Tunnelgate, if there is a bowl game that pops up, it seems unlikely at this point, but there's going to be a lot of personnel and potentially coaching news. We'll see. Um, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the football team and for basketball. Uh, the grind continues. They go to South Bend to take on Notre Dame on uh, Wednesday. Should be another entertaining showdown in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The final ACC Big Ten Challenge. So the swan song for the Spartans against all these ACC foes. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wendell, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you for once again listening to Dadlock Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green!